1: Well, welcome back in one final time in May to The Last Word on Sports Media Podcast. I am the somewhat competent host, TJ Reeves. Busy, busy show for this episode launching this week as we head into summer off of Memorial Day and into the month of June. And with the conclusion of the HBO series Succession, I will have later on in this podcast... A roundtable, a couple of interesting guys from Awful Announcing. Ken Fang will be here and from JAG Public Affairs and a former uh, public relations director for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, as well as having worked for uh, Congressman Tom DeLay in Washington, D.C. in politics and many other ventures. Jonathan Grella back aboard to talk the finale of Succession and spoiler alert. Because we will be talking about the final episode and what happens in that final episode and how it ties into a player, a kind of nondescript player from the 1920 Cleveland Indians that won the World Series the year after the Black Sox scandal of the Chicago White Sox. Why that player, that player's name had a role in the end of the HBO long running the last four years series that's been so critically acclaimed and has had uh, tremendous attention and audience. We'll talk with Ken Fang and Jonathan Grilla about that. Before we get there, though, let's talk in a few moments about the Denver Nuggets. For the first time ever, 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 they are in the NBA Finals about to play. We now know the Miami Heat. Yes, the Heat blew a three games to none lead and still had to go win game seven when it looked like it might be a sweep in Miami, four straight in game four, had to not only survive losing game four at home losing game five in boston but even lost game six on that crazy dramatic tip in uh in south florida in the final tenth of a second so they lost twice at home and they'd still won game seven to win the best of seven and get into the nba finals to play denver so no nba team down three nothing in any seven game series obviously has ever come back to win it the celtics were the latest to attempt it the latest of what i think four that have attempted After having won three straight, none of them have succeeded. Miami's now succeeded. Miami going for yet another championship. The Heat going for a fourth NBA title in the century. When you contemplate, the Boston Celtics have one championship in the last thirty-seven years, and the Miami Heat have three of them this century. And the uh, San Antonio Spurs have what four, four or five in this century. The uh, the one over the Knicks in '99 doesn't count for this century, right? But it's amazing to contemplate what they've done, what the Lakers have done, even in the uh, present day now with LeBron. And it was a it was a bubble world championship win in Orlando over the Miami Heat uh, when they won it. Uh, but the Celtic drought, just incredible. If you had told anybody, and I was as big a Celtic fan in the 80s as you can imagine growing up in the South without an NBA team in the cities where I lived, like Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, growing up in Tampa, Florida, as a uh, elementary school kid, as a teenager, as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, there was no NBA team. The Orlando Magic uh, didn't come into existence until after I was already out of high school. There's no basketball in the Sunshine State for the Heat or for the Magic uh, when I was around. So you gravitated to the Celtics. If you had told anybody in the 80s that the Boston Celtics, who had won 15 world titles... From 1957 to 1986, the Celtics won 15 world titles and never went more than 5 years without winning one. The two biggest droughts were from uh 1969 to 1974, a 5-year drought, then a 5-year drought again from 1976 world title to 1981, Bird's second season when they won it. Those are the two 5-year droughts. That's the longest. Now, suddenly, they have a drought of 15 years and counting right now and one title in 37 seasons for the Boston Celtics. Not not the same with the Lakers, the stalwart that the Lakers have been as they continued to win titles in the 1990s, the late 1990s, and the early 2000s, and now even into the 2010s and even one with LeBron and company, as I mentioned, in 2020. So anyway, there's some NBA Finals talk upcoming. And straight ahead, we'll talk Denver Nuggets, Uh, Nate Lundy will be here I love Nate's media work in the Mile High City with MileHighSports.com You bet tonight is his syndicated betting a television show that is on through the fall and the winter months giving you handicapping advice syndicated all over the country Uh, love Nate because he's also a former Fox Sports Radio alumni brother of mine I'm working weekends at Fox Sports Radio as I did from 2011 through 2015 when Nate was also on on the weekends. So we'll talk to Nate Lundy about Denver, about Nikola Jokic, and what chances that Denver has to win this thing, how amped they are. And remember a year ago at this time, they were winning the Stanley Cup final over my Tampa Bay Lightning, the Colorado Avalanche, where we'll ask him to compare that. And how crazy is the is the Bronco mania right now with uh, Sean Payton coming to take over Russell Wilson's uh, playbook? Uh, in the NFL. And what about Deion Sanders in that greater market now as the coach of the Colorado Buffaloes? So a lot to talk about with uh, with Nate Lundy coming up straight ahead. And again, the succession roundtable with Ken Fang and Jonathan Grella later on uh, at the time that we're releasing the podcast. I don't have the ratings from game seven of the NBA finals. We'll get Ken uh, Fang's thoughts because he does this with awful announcing and makes different ratings, picks, etc., of what he thinks that the ratings will do for the finals with the Nuggets and the Heat. this The Monday night, Memorial Night, Game 7, probably a dud because it was a bad game in the third and the fourth period where Jason Tatum, the star of the Celtics, hurt his ankle early, was not much of a factor. The Heat led by double figures at halftime, never really threatened. It got like as close as eight points. But then, you know, suddenly in the fourth quarter, the Heat are back up 15, they're back up 19, the game is over. Not much drama there. Can't believe the Game 7 rating would be very good. And likewise for the Stanley Cup final, it's now Las Vegas and the Florida Panthers. Who had the eight-seed Panthers and the eight-seed Miami Heat making their way into the championship series, respectively, for the NHL and the NBA? But that's what we have. We'll get back-to-back nights over and over again of the Florida Panthers and the Miami Heat in championship series in the same city with Las Vegas now playing the Panthers. Las Vegas clinching on Monday night with a 6-0 win over Dallas in Game 6. How about Dallas goes to Vegas and wins Game 5, then blows Game 6 at home badly, blown out. So the Vegas Golden Knights are back in the Stanley Cup Final just as they were their first year, their expansion year. Meantime, the Florida Panthers have not been here since 1996 when Colorado defeated them. It has been that dry uh, for the Florida hockey team down in Miami. All right, so uh, those are set. Uh, we've got a lot to get to here on the program. By the way, thank you for finding us on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast, however you've done so, uh, through lastwordonsportsmedia.com, social media link, etc. You want to be on the podcast feed, George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know uh, runs on this podcast feed. Great storytelling interview series with a Chicago slant on it. Ryan Chavarini is his guest. Uh, this week from uh, the CBS, or I'm sorry, the ABC affiliate in Chicago. He's been a longtime sportscaster, now going to be uh, making, trying to make a transition into Hollywood as an actor. So you'll hear George's conversation there uh, with Ryan. But, I mean, he's recently had guests like Jason Benetti of Fox Sports, Joe Madden, the Cubs manager, Greg Gumbel of CBS, uh, on and on. Love George's guest list on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. And I know that uh, Mike Gill and Phil demont Mullen off. Uh, from last week with Phil on vacation. They will be back with announcer schedules, the podcast later this week. Who does it well? Who does not do it well? The Indy 500 that ran last week, the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals that are upcoming. They'll break it all down with announcer schedules, the podcast right here on this feed. So make sure you're following or subscribing. We also thank the Last Word on Sports folks and LastWordOnSports.com for helping us uh, promote as well. Engage with us at LastWordOnSports.com slash podcast for all the podcast content. Whether it is this sports media podcast, let's go racing with David Starr, uh, the uh, the different uh, MLS soccer podcast, NHL podcast, on and on down the list, uh, that are part of the uh, the the Last Word on Sports podcast uh, network of shows, and the, and you can find it all there at lastwordonsports.com slash podcast, ever growing uh, there as well. All right, so much to get to here on the program. Let's get into the Denver sports scene and about the Nuggets being in the finals and much more. We do that right now. As mentioned, been looking forward to this ever since I saw Denver Nuggets make the NBA Finals. No, it is not Alex English. No, it is not Fat Lever. Uh, Even Carmelo Anthony was originally a, 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 a Denver Nugget. No, not any of them. Uh, now it's uh, Nikola or Nikola, Nikola Jokic, and uh, and his mates that are getting it done and are in the NBA finals. So who better than my Fox Sports radio brother from another mother? He and I both patrolled the weekends longer ago than either one of us want to admit. Nate Lundy, uh, with MileHighSports.com and a bunch of different ventures, including the You Bet Tonight show that I check out all the time on the tube for a
2: little uh, wagering advice. Nate Lundy, good to have you on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast, my friend. Well, I appreciate the invite. And yeah, uh, there's a lot going on around here. Um, I thought I was busy uh, just with all the different ventures that you talked about. Uh, but now I've got uh, an NBA Finals to to have to deal with for the first time since my time in San Antonio uh, with the Spurs. So this is kind of fun to see it come to Denver. So it is
1: interesting. It's been a championship market previously, recently with the Broncos. And obviously, we disgruntledly it's disgruntledly the right word, begrudgingly bring up at the Colorado Avalanche uh, last summer, beat my Tampa Bay Lightning, dethroned the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs. Um, So now the Avalanche nowhere to be found in the Stanley Cup finals as the defenders, my Lightning nowhere to be found in the Stanley Cup finals, but this has replaced that. So compare it to the Avalanche back uh, 12, 13 months ago uh compare you know compared to what else you've been around Broncos obviously probably on another level in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl but what is this like in and around Denver right now because you're covering it
2: yeah it, you're right I mean first of all it is very different um than the Broncos and the reason why is because this is a Broncos town first and foremost it always has been uh and it always will be uh they dominate everything uh in the sports landscape here um and frankly that doesn't uh, that applies to, you know, even when they were going four and 12. Uh, so mm-hmm. he's still dominated. It's just, it's what the NFL is uh, in a town like Denver uh, that has had the team, obviously for, you know, 60 plus years. So uh, the Broncos are on a different level, but I think you bring up a good point of trying to make a comparison to what happened last year with the Colorado avalanche. So uh, I think where I would categorize the difference is um, the abs had already done it right? I mean, they did it when they first moved, uh, when they first moved to Denver, they won it. Then they turned around and won it again, five years later. So that is something experiencing a Stanley cup run is something that this town has already felt before. Um, and so it's not to say that there was not an amazing amount of excitement around this team last year, as they went through the playoffs and on into the final. And and then as you pointed out, beat the, beat the lightning there in six and, and take the championship. Um, But I will say that as exciting as it was, I think there was a little bit of it that was different because this team had already done that before. This year is very different with the Nuggets because, as everyone has talked about, this is the first time the Nuggets have ever made the NBA Finals um, in their history. And so I think it's a little bit different just because this is something that is so new to this market and to this fan base. Um, they love this team. Uh, they they have loved the Nuggets for a long time, going all the way back to ABA days. You brought up, uh, you know, whether we're talking about Fat Lever or Alex English or Doug Moe or Dan Issel, or I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, do you know, we do have a Kiki Vandaway sighted? That's what I right. want to know. But where well, is he? I well, know. I'm going to be real curious uh, to see who comes out <laughs> of the woodwork here for some of these home games uh, in games one and two. But, you know, this this team has been a good team before. You brought up Carmelo Anthony. Um, They have been good. They have they haven't been at this level um, you know, and it's because of this guy, um, right behind me, it's because of Nikola Jokic. Um, and then the team that they've built around him, I think they've very smartly done some things around him. Calvin Booth, who's now the GM is, has done a very good job. Um, Tim Connolly, who was the GM who, uh, drafted Nikola Jokic, uh, and put a lot of this team together, uh, before leaving to go to the Timberwolves, um, deserves a lot of credit as well. So I, it really is a different vibe, I think, than what I felt last year, um, with the abs, Um, just because I think basketball is more mass appeal. I think you and I would both agree to that. Um, You know, hockey, I I happen to be a massive hockey fan, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm a little bit of an exception. Um, You know, for the most part, people are far more into the NBA than they are into the NHL. That's across the country and certainly in this market as well.
1: And the ratings reflect that that's obvious. That's not even a debate. The hockey audience is a passionate audience, but it is a fraction of what the NFL is and it is less than what the NBA is. And so, uh, how much a bigger deal in the Denver market is it that they just broomed LeBron and the Lakers? I mean, it's just, this is not like that you just beat an ordinary Western Conference team. You beat LeBron and the Lakers and
2: swept them. How much bigger, how much did it ratchet it up? I, I think it ratcheted it up quite a bit. I mean, look, I, I even would say, though, that uh, the the job that they did against Phoenix um I would put on a pretty close level in terms of how everybody felt because you're talking about a Phoenix team that traded to get Kevin Durant um, that 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 went out of their way to try to figure out how they were going to be able to claim the West. Um, and instead, Denver took care of them. Um, it wasn't in sweep fashion like it was against the Lakers. And there's always something sweet about being able to knock out the Lakers, regardless of whether LeBron is on the team or not, to be honest with you. Uh, and that goes back to my days of, as I mentioned before, of being in San Antonio uh, when the Spurs went through their championship run. And and of course, I remember Derek Fisher's point four shot from the corner mm-hmm. um, that that. Ultimately, cost the Spurs in 0-4, but um, you know, it, I think anytime you can beat the Lakers, it is a very big deal. It, it carries a lot of uh, swagger for fans, in addition to the players. Well, you but I will also this. say, I'm, I'm, I, I don't think mean the to interrupt. Phoenix just, is a big deal too. Sure, I
1: don't mean to interrupt just to interrupt, but I'm a little older, I think, than you, and I still remember this, and a longtime Nugget fans remember this. Magic and Worthy and Kareem and those guys were unmerciful to the Western Conference, and it was every year just beating them in the regular season and beating their brains out in the playoffs that I I know we're, we're now 35 years beyond that. But there are a lot of people that have still held on to get those guys whenever you can get those guys, get them. Uh, do you sense some of that in and around Denver? The older, the older fans would appreciate that. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You carry that kind of way. I mean, look, ask Cleveland Browns fans, how they feel about John Elway and the Broncos. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, look, it is, it is a weight that you carry around with you for a long time. Um, you know, it's, it's part of what, you know, if I can digress off to the NFL for a minute, um, I know a lot of chiefs fans there are frankly a lot of chiefs fans here in Denver. There's a lot of folks that have relocated transplants that have moved, uh, et cetera. Uh, The chiefs were on the receiving end of a lot of BS from the Broncos for a long time. And chiefs fans have said to Broncos fans and say to me on social media and all of that, what you're experiencing right now with Patrick Mahomes is what we went through with Elway. And then subsequently much later with Peyton Manning, they, Chiefs fans have endured that for a long time. So they feel like they are finally getting their one up uh, opportunity against the Broncos uh, now that Denver is a little lower on the totem pole and the Chiefs are sitting high and mighty.
1: Love Nate Lundy's insight. Follow him at Nate Lundy, milehighsports.com. You bet tonight is the TV show. The Fade Five podcast is there. I love his insight. And again, he and I got to know each other radio wise doing weekends with Fox sports radio, et cetera. He still accepts my text, test message, my text message, oh, yeah. my phone call,
2: whatever it is. And I love that about you. Yeah. Um, I don't have to, I don't have to big, I don't have to big time you. There's some I'm other pre- people <laughs> uh, in our past that there's I ignore far, their text there's messages. Far more, there's far more
1: useless people to big time. I appreciate yes. being on that on the list <laughs> on the list with that. Uh, okay. One more on this, then I want to move on before I lose you. Um, how do you think this plays nationally? Because again, The NBA will never admit this. They wanted the Lakers. Even if it was going to be Miami, they wanted the Lakers. Okay, if they couldn't have the Lakers, they wanted the Celtics because it's the Celtics and the love-hate in the Northeast in New York and Philadelphia and elsewhere for the Celtics. All right, they didn't get that. So now the NBA has Denver. Good story, yes. First time ever there. They have Miami, an amazing story as an eight-seed in the play-in situation to get all the way through and make it. How do you think this plays nationally? Ultimately, a lot of people are saying doomsday for the television audience, et cetera. Do you buy into that? I know you're close to it in Denver, but do you buy into that?
2: Yeah, actually, I do. Um, I think this is going to wind up being one of the lower rated NBA finals that the league has had over the course of the last 20 years. Look, I remember uh, look, I remember Spurs Pistons. Okay, and that series went seven games. That series was as exciting as you could ask for, especially in games five, six and seven down the stretch. That was a tremendous series if you are a good diehard basketball fan. But what you and I both know when it comes to television ratings is the diehards are going to watch no matter what. Mm -hmm. They are going to watch the NBA Finals no matter what. What the NBA relies on in the Finals are those fringe fans that enjoy basketball and therefore will decide to tune over to ABC to check out Game 1 or Game 2 or Game 4 or whatever it is And I just don't think you have that same compelling um, aspect that you do when you're talking about Boston, when you're talking about the Lakers, when you're talking about Giannis, et cetera. There are other big names that Golden State, Golden State
1: with Steph Curry, right?
2: Absolutely. Kevin Durant, if it had been Phoenix. like There are names that have become Mm -hmm. household names. As good of a story as Denver is for finally making the NBA Finals with a back-to-back MVP who you could have argued could have done it three years in a row up against Embiid this year, it's just not, it, 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 it's not flashy, right? The best player on the court is not a guy that goes flying down the court at 100 miles an hour and throws down a windmill dunk. He just doesn't. That's not what Nikola does. Is he the best player in the league right now? In my opinion, yes. He's doing things that we have never seen out of a player of his size at the center position. We have not seen this. And what he's doing to me is amazing. I love it as a basketball fan. I love it because he's right down the road from where I'm sitting right now when I get to watch him at Ball Arena. But it's not compelling nationally. So, yes, I actually think there's a lot to this quote-unquote doomsday idea
0: my rewards tell them to oppose the Durban marshall credit card bill
1: yep and again miami is a great story and i'm in i'm in florida i don't have allegiance to miami it's four hours away in south florida uh oh my god in the tampa bay area are we rooting for both the heat and the florida panthers to take it right in the in, in the chops at it. the same time and both blow it that would be hilarious uh even better than uh Winning it yourself, maybe, if that's the case. But I, I don't know that that translates. I don't know that the Northeast cares. I don't know that the upper Midwest NBA markets care about Miami and Denver. We're going to find out. Does the casual sports fan care? We're going to find out. Uh, listen, I care about having you. I want a couple more takes. So Sean Payton, oh him a year off after doing what we're doing, broadcasting TV, comes back to the NFL and chooses Denver. How interesting all right, what's it been like in and around that market? He, again, he hasn't coached a game. We're not to training camp. We're not to coaching a game yet. But what's that been like in terms of the market, the media coverage, uh, etc., because you're close to it with him coming to the Broncos and now Russell Wilson and the whole the whole deal.
2: Yeah, I, I think I'll be honest with you. I, I think uh, the vast majority of the conversation um, amongst the Broncos fans is still more about Russell Wilson than it is about Sean Payton. I think it's much more about um, can Russell Wilson still play the quarterback position at a maybe not even the word elite, just at an upper echelon level in the NFL. I think it's a lot about that because I think there's a lot of faith in Sean Payton as a coach. I think the fan base here is excited to finally have a good coach. We have gone through the coaching carousel. It has sucked Mm -hmm. Um, and it has not been a lot of fun. And the fans are tired of that. But they also went through a quarterback carousel for a little while, and they thought that they had found some answers. So I think what you have right now is a little bit of a splintered fan base in that part of it are people that say, hey, Sean Payton's going to come in. It's going to be a smarter offense. It's going to be more geared towards Russell Wilson. They can take advantage of some of their weapons, and this team is going to be better. There are also a portion of the fan base that actually believes Russell Wilson is broken and doesn't think it matters. It's really wow. interesting how quickly people have given up on him. Um, I'm is that more... I'm curious because I don't hear it. Is that local media too? Is that talk
1: radio? Is that columnist? It's, it's
2: it's it's a it's kind of all over the board actually. It's a but little there bit... are
1: some who believe yes. this guy can't be fixed, Russell Wilson, yes. even by Peyton. There's some yes. belief in that market.
2: Yeah, there are some folks that believe that. Um, in the media uh, here in Denver that, that do believe that Russ is cooked <laughs> um, you know, to, to play off of the let Russ cook. So I think um, I, I fall kind of in the middle. Um, I, I tend to be a little bit more, okay, I'm going to believe it when I see the eye test. There were times last season that I thought Russell Wilson looked like the Russell Wilson that they gave up the farm to trade for. There were also a couple of times where I saw a quarterback that I said, Holy crap, what is going on between his ears right now? Um, How much of that was due to the coaching change uh, or or the head coach that he was dealing with? I don't think Nathaniel Hackett was a head coach. Um, I think I I like Nathaniel Hackett a lot. I don't think he's cut out to be a head coach. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are plenty of guys you and I have watched in the NFL Mm -hmm. over the last four decades, five decades, that could coordinate and were spectacular at it but couldn't head coach. Wade Phillips is an example. When mm-hmm. when Wade was here and was a defensive, I think Wade Phillips is one of the smartest defensive minds the NFL's ever seen, but he's a terrible head coach, but he's a great coordinator. And right. I think maybe that could be what Nathaniel Hackett is and how much of what Nathaniel Hackett did or didn't have when he brought it to Denver was masked by the fact that in Green Bay, he had one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers.
1: And he wasn't calling the plays. Yeah, I mean, Matt LaFleur was calling the plays, so exactly, it, exactly. Kind of, it kind of was a mess. I'm I'm curious on one more. Deion Sanders has come there again, same kind of honeymoon, lots of hullabaloo, big Southern phrase, lots of fanfare, huge crowd at the spring game and the whole bit. Uh, tell me more about how that compares. I mean, is, is Colorado registering Colorado football, at least here in the offseason, the honeymoon phase, on the radar somewhat? Because nationally, it would imply, it would seem like that it is, but in that Denver market, is it swallowed up by the Nuggets? Is it swallowed up by Sean Payton in the draft and OTAs? Uh, what What is the uh, the update? No, because that's I, the greater Denver area in Boulder, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's part of the metro. If we're talking about it from a media standpoint, uh, Boulder's part of the metro. Uh, it's it's counted uh, from a Nielsen and all that kind of standpoint. Um, no, I think Dion is actually a massive story. Um, I think Dion is a bigger story than Sean Payton. Um, he's talked about more, um, you know, I look, the, the athletic director came out last week and said that the school made almost a quarter of a million dollars on the spring game. That's, that's insane. Mm -hmm. Schools don't do that outside of the sec. That doesn't happen. Right. Um, and so for that to happen in Colorado is a big deal. I think there's an underlying question that actually exists of where is Colorado going to be? Are they going to go to the big Twelve? Um, Are they going to leave the Pac-12? There's a lot of rumblings about that. But just the fact that Dion has brought that kind of attention to the school, I think, has people's um, has attracted people's attention. I will say Denver as a media market, when we talk about college sports, is an incredible melting pot um, of of other schools and of. Uh, not even, I guess, the region, even beyond that. And part of the reason I say that is, for example, when I was pro- when I was programming at um, two other stations here in Denver when I first moved here, um, we actually carried Nebraska football on one of our stations because <laughs> there is such a massive Husker alumni base here in Denver. And if for those of you, if you failed geography, right, I right. can give you the quick lesson. Which Quickly,
1: is, yes, sure, do it.
2: And Denver is basically the biggest city. The closest you're going to get to Nebraska and to that fan base. And so any of those folks that grew up small town that then were looking for somewhere to get the hell out of. I was born in a small town in, <laughs> in Nebraska, so I can claim that you wind up in Denver. So there's a sure. huge Husker fan base. There's a massive Jayhawk fan base from the University of Kansas, Interesting. Texas, Texas A&M. So. I think it's drawing some attention to CU. And there's obviously a large amount of CU alumni here in Denver, but this is very much a melting pot. If you drive around or you go to sports bars on the weekends here in in college football season, you'll see every jersey you can possibly imagine.
1: I believe it. And as somebody that went, I don't know if you know this about me, it went to Memphis, the former Memphis State, what's now the University yes. of Memphis, same kind of melting pot. Yep, where again it's there. the biggest, it's the biggest city in and around. Uh, you know, Northwest, Alabama, all of Mississippi, a little yep. bit of Arkansas. If you're looking to get out, you're looking to go to Memphis. Why do you think John Grisham wrote all those great books that became movies and they're all centered in Memphis because yep. he was living in
2: Mississippi, dreaming of being in Memphis, baby. There you go. So there we so, go. So if we tie all of our conversation together, I would tell you that as we sit here right now, the number one story is the Nuggets. I would tell you that I believe right now, number two is Dion. Um, hmm. And then number three is what's happening with, the Broncos. Yeah. Um. The the Avalanche are in a honeymoon phase. You know that happens when you win a championship. Everybody's happy and they're happy for a while. Uh. They'll look to get back at it next season. Uh. And they'll do so without the captain. But, um. You know. I. I think right now this team is. But this city is buzzing about their various teams, and it's really kind of a fun thing to be a part of.
1: Listen, you have been great with me. Again, MileHighSports.com. You bet tonight. uh, Give me more. Where else do we see you, hear you, find you? Because you're a busy guy, Nate.
2: I tell everybody the easiest thing is I somehow managed to keep about 80% of it straight, and I talk about that on Twitter. So you already threw it out there. If you follow me on Twitter, at Nate Lundy, you'll see the different stuff that I do. Um, The You Bet Tonight television show, I'm on a little bit of a summer break right now, but the Fate 5 podcast that I do with our great friend Brad Evans, Um, He and I continue to do that podcast. We do it year round. We've done nearly 600 episodes now. Uh, We have a great time with that. So you can always find me. But if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see all of that stuff. And you'll see me acting like a fool all the time.
1: Milehighsports.com as well. Again, much love for the FSR alumni, Fox Sports Radio alumni for Nate Lundy. Thank you, my friend, for uh, giving me some great insight into Denver. We'll see. Uh, Just quick prediction. Is it a long series? Uh, I mean, obviously, Denver broomed. The Lakers, like I keep mentioning, to keep propping up the, the nuggets and their their longtime fans to sweep out LeBron and company. Is it a long series? Is your thought here or might it be no. over with quickly?
2: No, I think it's um, you know, one of my favorite bets, and it's juiced to high heaven at this point, um, is actually on the series line to take Denver minus one and a half, which means the series doesn't go seven, uh, is basically it means Denver's gonna win and they win in less than seven. I think it could be five. I think it could be a gentleman's sweep, to be honest with Woo-hoo. you. Um, I don't know. How Miami can stop Jokic? I yep. think Bam. I think Bam can hang with him a bit, but I don't think he can hang with him nonstop for 48 minutes. Um, and I think that's actually what's going to be the difference in this series: is the best player on the court in Nikola Jokic doesn't have somebody on Miami's side that matches up with him well. Um, the other matchups, I think, you know, Miami's got some guys that can slow down Jamal, can can cause some problems for MPJ, et cetera. But I don't know how they stop Nikola Jokic. And if that is the case, if I'm right in that, and I'm not an NBA expert by any stretch, but if I'm right about that, this thing's over in five.
1: Interesting. And there's never another first time. It's the first time for the Nuggets that are there. I look forward to watching all of this, and I look forward to the inside of people like you when you give it. Thank you, Nate Lundy. I appreciate you hanging out with me.
2: Always, TJ. Happy to do it anytime.
1: Many thanks again to Nate for hopping aboard on the program, and we'll see what the Nuggets do. As he was saying at the end of the conversation, will it be a quick series? I know that ABC is hoping not the case. Uh, and and will it be lowly rated because it's not the Lakers, because it's not the Celtics, it's not Golden State? Uh, although there have been a lot of different variations. I mean, the the Toronto Raptors in the finals who won it, the Milwaukee Bucks playing the Phoenix Suns, uh, coming off the, uh, the COVID-crazy bubble year. They were the finals in 2021. Now you get the Denver Nuggets as a first-time finals team. We'll see how all of that will play out. Uh, Again, we're about to take a little bit of a left turn here, but I think you will enjoy this uh, right now with the finale of the HBO series Succession. We bring that back around here as part of the last word on Sports Media Podcast, and it even ties in to the 1920 World Series. You're going to hear that as part of the dialogue as we roll on. As promised, we are taking a little bit of diversionary route here off the highway, but it's well worth it because the season uh, finale, the series finale of Succession has played out on HBO, and I welcome back to the program two guys that are as interested, maybe more so, than I was in how this was going to play out. I love Ken Fang from Awful Announcing Fang's Bite fangs bite is the uh, twitter handle and the
3: uh, inside of Ken fang is always welcome here on the last word on sports how are you my friend i'm good good to be on with you uh, tj always great to be <laughs> on and to dis- discuss everything and anything
1: Included, meteor- including this including, including this. this jonathan grella is back and I, I always roll the red carpet out for you for many reasons not the least of which is you and I have been doing this off the air for about three weeks about succession and how it was going to end. Ken, luckily I was not bothering you off the air, but I was bothering Jonathan. He and I were going back and forth with uh, theories. Jonathan Grella, good to have you back aboard.
4: Pleasure to be here.
1: Um, All right. So I'm going to give the floor to both of you for your uh, immediate reactions. And again, let me say to the audience what I said a little while ago. This is 1,000% spoiler alert. Uh, 10,000% spoiler alert. We're going to talk about the whole ending. So if you have it on demand or on DVR and you haven't watched, shame on you that you're listening right now because I've disclaimed a couple of times, we're about to talk about the finale. So once again, one more time, don't blame Ken, don't blame Jonathan, don't blame me. We're about to talk about the finale. We're about to reveal what's happening if you've not no seen it. No
4: apologies or disclaimers required uh, after Tuesday, right? I, I think I agree with morning. that.
1: Statute of limitations is a big thing in this world, and it may be even after Monday, uh, but it definitely is after Tuesday. You if call you yourself
4: a fan? Yes. It'll make time.
1: You have to have watched this they're, by now.
3: They're not so,
4: serious people. <clears throat> if you haven't watched it by now
3: it's on you
1: yes (laughs) right and speaking of the not serious people line ken fang let's just pick up on that we certainly see in the final half hour final final 15 minutes of the show that truly the three uh the, the three of the four that have the best chance to run the company they are not serious people one more time between kendall And Roman and Shiv, they're just, they're not serious people. And in the end, she decides, I don't believe in you, Kendall. You're you're not going to get my vote. None of us are going to be in charge. We're going to sell the company. All right. So what's your reaction to how it officially played out on Succession with the finale, Ken Fang?
3: Perfect ending. I I really feel that was the perfect ending because, A, how many times have we heard Logan said, you're not serious to the three kids? he has said it a million times. He told them, he said it to them. And while we had got that great tender moment in the, in the, uh, with the three together at mom's house all together. And it looked for a moment that they were a united front. If you know your history of succession, if you have your PhD in succession, if you watched all three seasons prior to this and the nine episodes before this, you know that that the three just can't keep it together, and something was going to blow it apart and It was perfect that Shiv, who is probably the most like her father, just decided to blow it up and um I thought it was a perfect ending, and we know how much that Kendall has this association to water he goes over to the Hudson River in battery Park and sits down. I thought he was going to jump out. To be honest with you, I thought he was going to climb over and jump out and Colin was going to have to save him. there's uh, the bodyguard. If you, if you saw the mm-hmm. episode Colin was yep. there with him, it was a perfect ending. And just to end it like that, it was great. And I just said, there's no way that there's no other way you could have ended this.
1: Jonathan Grilla, your reaction to the ending where the sister decides she's the swing vote, the ultimate vote. We're going to sell the company. And Kendall has to live with it and really can't live with it. Uh, and and it, it ends with him sitting, as Ken described, on the bench, staring out of the water and the uh, the sunlight of of the Statue of Liberty, just contemplating, what do I do now? I'm not in charge of this new company. I'm out. Uh, what did you think of that ending, Jonathan?
4: I urge folks to uh, to listen to other podcasts like this, but after this one. And, uh you, you'll hear Jeremy strong was on the official podcast and I I could barely suffer um their host um but uh, but when when he was on he, he did a very good job explaining uh the water uh, thing that that Ken brings up and okay. and, and also th- that they had <laughs> contemplated him him stepping over the over the railing and 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 jumping in um I believe that that the presence of Colin um you know, could be read any number of ways and that no matter how how bad um, Ken, Ken is doing at a given mon- uh, moment, um, he still is never alone. Or you could say that this guy who, um, his, it's his father kind of haunting him, like his father's long shadow continuing to haunt him. Or you could say it's it's the the memory of, of the thing which did him in with the manslaughter um, and and, you know, the guy who was there. Um, So that part of it was, was absolutely perfect. Um, And you could really interpret it any number of ways. Um, I, you know, I got to say that, and and anybody who has a, um, has an interesting family and and that's most of us uh, knows that that emotional history and emotional damage um, Trump strategy and good sense and business acumen and everything else and if you hit the right pressure points and you know everything can everything unravels right and 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 so that i think that that's what you saw there um and um and i suspect we're going to get to this at a certain point about the the meanings of certain names but yes. but, but it doesn't get much more straightforward than than Shiv with the, the less. Sh-
1: with the Shiv with, <laughs> with the, the Shiv, shiv Siobhan shiv Siobhan shived the brothers, did she not? And she uh, did.
4: Uh, she she shived a lot of folks over the years. Um, and and her name, of course, is a, is a great reminder. And so, and so are some of the others, if, um, if if you give it a chance.
1: And again, what we're referencing, and it even comes out right at the end of the finale, is that Kendall's been involved in a car accident in England with. Uh, basically a member of the wait staff from the house that he's doing drugs with. And this person has drowned. Kendall has saved himself, but not been able to save the person to drown. And so Logan knows this, the bodyguard knows this. There's a select few that know this. He eventually had to own up to it privately to his siblings, but even in his desperate moments, he's trying to deny that that even happened. He's, he's acting like it made it up. He made it up. And I think, Ken, your thought, I think it only reinforced more for Shiv, he can't be trusted, and most importantly, he will more than likely wreck dad's company. That's what I, I took that scene to mean. What What did you take that last little scene in the side room next to the boardroom where the vote's happening uh, to mean? Uh, because we saw it all, including, <laughs> including Kendall and, uh, and Roman wrestling on the ground to just reinforce you are not
3: serious people it's almost like fully grown children that we're dealing with i I think that's a perfect description of it and you know i was wondering again if you must have your phd in succession to know all these to get these references lawrence yee comes back as a as a reference on the very first episode um you get the murder and i was wondering when this was going to come back you just wondered when it was going to come back and props to uh showrunner and writer jesse armstrong for bringing this back at the key moment at the vote, Shiv's, as you mentioned, says, Look, what about this murder? You're not, you can't do this. I love you, but I can't have you do this. You're going to, you're not right for this job. And then she brings it up. And then Roman brings up, Well, your kids, they're not bloodline. And then that sets them off. <laughs> that is just, again, that is again another twist of the knife. And he goes, Well, then Shiv's kids. She's bloodline and all this comes out. But again, it just goes to showing a, a great mention of this great shout out earlier of that. When you get families like this, you hold secrets and you bring them out and they come out at the worst possible time. And while Kendall in a way in the season three finale tells the, the, the siblings in a way to bond with them. I did this. I just want to let you know. It comes out at the worst possible moment, and then Kendall tries to say, oh, I made it up. I made it up, trying to scramble, and that's Kendall to a T, and that tells you that he's just just not leadership material.
1: Hey, Hey, Jonathan, on that point, do you believe, as I do, that that is much Shiv realizing, not just for a play for her, but I believe she's realizing we may have nothing left. If you are put in charge, you may wreck this company where we have nothing left, and I just don't trust you. That's what I think. That was ultimately uh, about I, selfishly. What do you think?
4: I thought more telling was her line: "I love you, but I can't stomach you." Mm. And <laughs> and so for me, it wasn't about about the prospect of financial loss or legacy loss as much as I I you know I can I can. I'll find a way to get by not, not having won the whole thing myself, but I can't, I can't look at you on the metal stand. Mm. Uh, and yeah. so, so that's how I read that. Um, and man, you know, again, the the history and the complicated feelings between um, members of a family, you know, have, have a way of bringing out the ugliest side of everyone. And, and sometimes at the worst possible time and, and really the saddest part of all is is as you you know looking at Ken who saw this as his uh, as ode to him and as his um his life plan or, or um it really is is so sad that that from seven age 7 on that he he viewed this as his life and he has pled at different moments about you know I was essentially born for this one particular job I'm you know this cog only fits in this machine Uh, and, and he, he viewed this set, he had a one track mind and his whole identity was wrapped up in, in succeeding his dad, uh, and, um, and, you know, making, making daddy proud, I guess. And, and, and so, uh, so now he's going to have to figure it all out, um, having lost everything. And, you know, he, he was somebody who was, was, um, was oftentimes viewed as the, the sibling who was the. Most legitimate um, candidate. He he had some moments where he where shown, but he was such like a buzzword guy and and kind of cringe and awkward in a lot of ways. But still, somehow uh, somehow was 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 in you know well positioned this whole time. But but like Roman said, we're all bullshit. Um and and it's not just we're we're bullshit now it's it's, it's you could almost interpret as they were always bullshit correct and and if our name was not Roy would we even you know that's would right we get a get a phone interview uh for this place and and so he's go he is now being forced to as if this is real life being forced to build a build an identity from scratch at, you know, in his late forties, uh, which is, well, but it's
1: interesting. Crazy. It's interesting just on that point at the beginning of the season, they're the three of them are contemplating. We now have to do something besides being Logan's uh, children. We're going to have to go out on our own venture. We're going to try to acquire Pierce the broadcasting magnet yep. ourselves. They're contemplating that at the beginning of the season, they are realizing we, we have to go out on this on our own. And then they quickly realize maybe we're not serious people and we can't, we can't do this on our own. I will I will say one thing, though. They've all cashed out. They've all gotten their money. It's not as if they have nothing. And I think that's big for a couple of other things we're going to talk about, including might there be a movie that follows up the series? And there's actually precedent for that. And I see some nods uh, here as I can see, both Ken Fang and Jonathan Grello with me uh, for a second or two here. Okay, so let's get to the point of uh, Tom uh tom wamsgans uh ending up as the ceo jonathan grella to me privately was calling this weeks ago and i know he's got his number one finger in the air right now like he's hulk hogan ready to drop the leg on joe Joe Namath, uh, joe, <laughs> joe willie running out the tunnel for the jets either way the guarantee you believed in this uh weeks ago that he was going to end up with it uh all right so now he has ended up with it did you feel satisfied Watching this Sunday night, aha! Incredibly so,
4: it. yes, incredibly so. You know, you know, my favorites were always Carl and Frank and Tom and Greg. Um, uh, Tom especially was great. He reminds me of so many people, uh, and and the people that I really love the most on the show, especially having worked in in political circles and political communications, are people like Tom, uh, and 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 those people who um. You could use the term in, in, in basketball, or other sports, somebody who plays big, who plays mm-hmm. bigger than than their size. Uh, you know, think of a you know, like a, a six, you know, a six, you know, or how about a, like a Josh Hart kind of guy who, you know, goes and grabs eight, nine rebounds a game and he has no. I'll give you the better one. How about in?
1: Charles Barkley? People don't realize Charles Barkley was only six four and a half and he dominated right. down low. He played much better, yeah. literally he played than what All he right. was. Well,
4: yes. But but there there is in in many circles in corporate America in places I you know in places I've been where playing small was was encouraged in, in one way shape or form right as if to say you know you're not here for your opinion you're here you're here to um execute Matson's vision and Matson right. saw it and it's the it's the exact reverse of the of the cartoon that had Shiv as the puppet master with Matson he wanted to do he wanted to be the puppet master to somebody, and Tom nobody nobody better at playing small than Tom Wambsgans. And then Manson, of course, has to test him by talking about his wife uh, that way. And 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 as Shiv promised, Tom he wasn't going to get any fuss from Tom about about the comments he made. Tom was all in and would would eat whatever. Was required to get that gig.
1: <laughs> All right. So Ken Fang, it's easy to say now. Did you believe that it was going to be Tom ultimately on top as the CEO? It was your theory that it was someone else. In my case, confessing, I thought that it was the oldest son Connor, Alan Ruck's character, kind of the buffooning, not interested one that would end up with it.
3: That that went up in smoke. What did you believe about who would end up with it? I thought to be honest with you, I thought it was going to be Shiv. Uh, but you know, um, even though everything obvious that looks everything obvious, you know, that Jesse Armstrong is going to throw a monkey wrench into that, but you can even go back into when the entire family and Tom and Greg went to Europe to negotiate that sale. The key little scene that Jesse Armstrong threw in there when Mattson says to Tom and ask him what he, what he's, what he's like. And Tom goes, Oh, I can be anything you want me to be. And <laughs> Mattson at first kind of like, Kind of pushes him aside. But then when Shiv in the finale goes, he's basically your suck up. It got you can see Matson's head spinning and said, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, this is a guy I need. And then he goes and has that cringeworthy conversation that he wants to have Shiv and Shiv wants to have him. And he goes, oh, I'm a, you know, instead of having the person with the baby, why don't I put the the baby mama? Why don't I have the person who put the baby in her as my lead? <laughs> I mean, it was a cringeworthy conversation, but that's a great way that Jesse Armstrong put that together. And Tom just saying, yeah, I, you know, he wants power. He's always wanted power. Sure. No matter what, he's he, he's not, he wasn't born into it like the Roy's were. But at the same time, he's he's been wanting this. He's been positioning himself for the while all throughout the series, and he finally got it. And I, I'll admit that um, it was a surprise to me, but at the same time, I said it's probably the right decision because this is what Matt's has been wanting all along.
1: Again, the voice of Ken Fang with me for a few more minutes. Jonathan Grell is also here. We're going over the finale of Succession. Uh, the HBO smashing success uh, story, by the way, I just saw that an overnight rating from HBO was right at 3 million people that watched mm-hmm. the finale for what it's worth. And again, ratings aren't what they once were in terms of audience and everything being fragmented, et cetera. Uh, for, for some and of everybody who finale. cuts
4: the cord this week now that the show series <laughs> is included.
1: Yes, that's true. It might be a lot less for Max. What was HBO? Uh, Max. Okay. So I only have a few more minutes with you guys, and I want to run by this because Jonathan and I were talking about it. Ken and I, you didn't get it. Ken and you and I did not get a chance to talk about this in advance of the show. The theory was out there everywhere with the name Wamsgans that it involved a Major League Baseball uh, player from the 19 uh, the teens uh, into the early 1920s named Bill Wamsgans, who played for the Cleveland Indians. It's got a lot of play on the internet. As it turned out, it's been on the internet for like a year through the New York times uh, and a reference through Wikipedia and through other, other places it's been out there uh, before this TikTok influencer got a hold of it as well. And if you don't know what we're talking about by now, just the quick version is bill Wamsgams is essentially a nondescript major league baseball infielder, except for one important thing that in the world series in 1920, He turned an unassisted triple play. He caught a line drive as a shortstop, stepped on second base to force off one runner and then tagged the runner coming to him. It is to date the only unassisted triple play ever in any World Series, ever. I do not believe that it is a coincidence. We do know that uh, one of the people involved in the show has now come out strongly and commented to Slate.com that the internet has it wrong, Frank Rich, an executive producer has said in an email to slate.com. I hate to spoil the internet's fun, but it's false. Tom's family name was picked before we had shot the first season. The, uh, the pilot was made in 2016. He goes on to say the writers are primarily British. They're British football fans or soccer fans. And that he believes the name came from if memory serves, he says, we were looking for something off key. And it came from a staff member who had a relative by that name. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying this, and I can see your reactions. TJ ain't buying that. I'm not buying that some unnamed staff member had a relative named Wamsgams and it had nothing to do with it. I'm buying more that it was coded, just like the main character's names were Roy, just like her name was Shiv. We see see this a lot uh, with names of characters. It's interesting. Ken, to you first, do you buy the denial now that it has nothing to do with the Cleveland Indians baseball player and the unassisted triple play in the World Series? Do you buy that?
3: I do not because I do believe Jesse Jesse Armstrong and, and it's a primar- it's interesting how an American, a truly an American show was written by a staff that's primarily British. Um, mm-hmm. I give them great credit for doing that. and they they studied their American corporate history and the Murdochs and, and, and the Redstones very well, who were very much the models for this for the Roys. Um, I'm going to say that I don't think Jesse Armstrong knows his baseball history. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Frank Rich is right about that, but I know that people are want to believe it. I want to believe in it. I think it's a great story, but I'm going to say that Jesse Armstrong doesn't know his baseball history, and even so, though he does know his election and his um, uh, corporate history.
1: So just so that I'm clear, you do not believe that they patted it off the baseball player. You believe that it did come up some other way. Jonathan Grello, what do you believe at this point now that there's a denial of the connection?
4: Ah, uh, film analysis classes in in college and and even grad school taught me that everything is intentional. So I'd be inclined to believe that uh, that that the name does carry that significance. Although you and I have also discussed that um, the translation I believe of Wam's Gams was Goose's paunch or something right. like that, which you Huffering. can read into you know, Shiv um, Shiv carrying uh, Tom's baby. True. Um, true. So I don't know, uh, I, I want to live in a world where, where it's del- deliberately one of those two things, if not both. Um, it, it seems to fit so nicely, and I, I don't get why shows like Sopranos or this one, as, as much as we love them, would ever be in a rush to dispel anything. I know that they, they, they want creative uh, you know credit for the things they've done and not credit or blame for things they have not done. Uh, but, um, isn't isn't the point of of so much of this to provoke conversation and to Why let not? people kind of choose their own adventure? So sure. so I, I if I were Frank Rich I would let I would let this run a little bit. It's harmless. It's fun, and uh, and they would look even smarter if they, if they said, "Yeah, you got me."
1: But again, I. I... I have been in these worlds. You guys have been in these worlds. Jonathan's been in the PR world where those, those out in front lie uh, blatantly lie all the time about something, especially even when caught uh, and, and proven that they, that they're not telling the truth. They the still hang on. To
3: cup that was the, that was in the, uh, the coffee cup that was in there. Oh, it, 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 we didn't, we didn't do that on purpose. Sure. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So uh, yeah. And in, in this case, Uh, what's interesting is everybody was looking at the ending this year as being the triple play, but isn't it fair to say that at the end of last season, the finale of last season, the triple play is Tom going to Logan and warning him at the 11th hour and about the 58th minute. These three children of yours are about to cut you off at the knees. You've got to do something. That was the triple play. If you're if you're using the baseball metaphor and the World Series metaphor of Bill Wamsgan, the player, the triple play was last season. He made his move last year to save himself to get out of prison and to save himself with Logan. You guys buy that? Just real quick, quick
3: comments. Yes, Ken. Yes, I I like that more than than the the unassisted triple play in this uh, season because um, without Matson. Uh, Tom is not the CEO. So I, I truly believe that, yes, the, the unassisted triple play was last season rather than this. season.
1: Jonathan, you agree on that? Sure.
4: Yeah. Why not? I, I, I think we're I think we're, now is the time where we keep ourselves uh, warm during during this this hangover um, during this period where we're coming to grips with the fact that there is no more succession. Let us let us divine all all different meanings from all this stuff. It's harmless. It's good fun. Um, it gives me an opportunity to to get together with you guys and chop it up. So sure, uh, all, I'm just glad that Tom that Tom uh, outlasted all of them. And, and um, I can't wait for the think pieces that I see on everyone's LinkedIn page in the coming weeks about about the about the Wamsgans, you know, career model. Uh, and and how to manage your career like Tom Womskans, where where you know nobody trusts you, nobody likes you, but you're but you survive like a cockroach.
1: Yeah, and you and you promote your way up the Peter Principle. All right, uh, I know Jonathan, you got to go in a moment, and Ken, uh, Ken, you got to go here in a moment too. I don't believe we're done necessarily. Again, with Entourage, they came back with a movie, The Sopranos. They have come back with like a prequel movie right i didn't i don't know that i'd really pay that much attention to it there have been continuations of tv shows with movies uh the x files uh, for example is one that i was a big fan of and they came strong with a movie and they came with a follow-up movie after what was supposed to be the conclusion do you believe we are done jonathan grella could there be a big screen follow-up a few years down the road
4: there will be a follow-up on whatever screen it is um i i'm I'm sure of it you don't make an ending like that unless unless you want to preserve that option and certainly with um uh even though rich and others uh ran to the microphones to to talk about other stuff nobody was running the microphone saying we're done here this is it um and um so i i I, i'm sure there's going to be if there's money to be made and there's more story to tell then then have at it. I don't even know that you need everyone, right? You you could probably find a way to, and and by the time they do it, it'll be all AI any, anyhow. So you probably get to have Logan back regenerating <laughs> somehow. Or well, whatever. wait a minute.
1: They already put Logan up on the AI right. uh, at the yeah. at the big upfront presentation for Living Plus. Yes, uh, you
2: yeah, You gotta
1: love it. Ken Fang, are you buying in that there's a motion picture, a, a follow-up of some kind coming? Maybe not next year, maybe in a couple of
3: years. Well, Jesse Armstrong said that in the meeting room for season four, he put it out there and he was saying, I hope someone talks me into doing a season five. While he did say that season four was the perfect ending, he still has some ideas. And I still think that I would love to see how Kendall tries to redefine himself after after maybe about a five years depression or Shiv with a kid, how she treats him or her. uh, how how she treats the baby and the kid uh, as as married to Tommy is she happy is she not happy and I want to see I want to see Roman being that jerk playboy that he would that always thought he was going to be so I have a, I, I would love to see that story and I have a feeling that Jesse Armstrong someday down the road is going to write something to put them all together I would they have great chemistry they all love each other I also want to see Jerry on on a beach uh, someplace so um and and fending off of uh, fully clothed. Fully clothed and also uh telling Roman to stop sending pictures of his junk. So oh. I
1: would- <laughs> Yeah, there's so much more that we could go over.
3: Anything else that I left out? Anything else you want to say
1: about the show? Ken, anything else?
3: Uh like I said, perfect ending. Uh these are finale we always get mad at finales that don't you don't have to wrap everything up. They didn't wrap everything up. And what I love about what Jesse Armstrong said in the official controlling the narrative video that is on YouTube and you can see it there. He said Right now, these are the end of the stories. But there's nothing wrong. And and as I said, he's probably got some ideas on what they would, that are coming up. And this finale was just perfect for this time. And uh, I, I just truly enjoyed it. And it was the right way to end.
1: Jonathan Grell, anything else in closing about the succession finale? They put it to bed, at least for now.
4: I'll, I'll just say that, that you know, it's a job well done when when you are attached to characters you don't like. That you can't relate to, and and yet you like you just can't get enough of these people. If they were people, and they have been people that that I've known and worked with, right, and I, by mm-hmm. other names, and you can't stand them, but for whatever reason, this was appointment television, and and one of the one of the finest series of of my adult life, uh, and I've and I've loved a lot of them. um This was great, and it was is squarely in my wheelhouse. They did an awesome job, uh, and I and I hope we're not done with it forever.
1: Tremendous stuff. Great way to end it. Jonathan Grilla. Thank you. Ken Fang. Thank you as well for hanging with me here and talking some succession on the last word on sports media podcast.
4: Thank you, TJ. Thank you.
1: Again, we thank those guys for the conversation there about succession, the HBO show. Again, I firmly believe that you're going to see something there again. I I think they just, they left the door open. I mean, certainly uh, Sarah Snook's character um, uh, who is pregnant with uh, with child? There, they they leave the door open for what's going to happen in the coming uh, year or the next couple of years when her husband, and it still is her husband, is running the empire. Is she going to? She's got an end to get her way back in to the company and make a power play on him. That could be the plot for the movie. What will happen with the other characters? With the Jeremy Strong character, Kendall, or the Kieran Culkin character, Roman. I just, as I said to those guys in the conversation, they they have picked up off of TV shows with movies before. HBO did it with Entourage. Uh, again, they continued the X-Files uh, series with a movie uh, and then resumed the TV series, by the way, again, with Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny. So let's see. Let's see if they don't pick back up with a movie. Uh, that's on that. And, and just one more time, I, I firmly believe uh, that, They did come up with the character name and uh, the I I believe maybe it's a coincidence about the character name. But I believe from the beginning, the writers always had it in mind that Tom Wamsgans was going to end up as the head honcho of this media company. And the fact that it ties into a major league infielder from the 19 teens and, and 1920 World Series turning a triple play. Far too convenient, but despite what the creators would say about this. Uh, there's an, any number of ways that it could go. So anyway, there you go on the coverage of, uh, of Succession and the talk there. By the way, I wanted to sneak one more question in, and I did so after the fact, after we said goodbye uh, to Jonathan. I kept Ken Fang around for his thoughts on the ratings predictions. Now, as we bring it back to the NBA Finals, Denver and Miami, Stanley Cup Finals, which is Las Vegas and Miami, essentially the Florida Panthers uh let's see what ken thought in that discussion as we pick it back up with him about what he projects the tv ratings will be for these finals in the nba and uh, the stanley cup final in the nhl i can't let you get away without a ratings uh, question here now that we know the two championship series matchup nba finals nuggets heat and uh, amazingly the stanley cup final is vegas golden knights and miami also with the florida panthers is this cringeworthy stuff coming up for ABC and for Turner doing the Stanley Cup Finals, or do you think it's going to be okay,
3: or what is your assessment? What's your what's your guess? TJ, I think that the NBA is going to be fine, thanks to a seven games. Had this series, had the Eastern Conference Finals ended in four, and you had that long, long layoff, I had a feeling that this ratings would be, uh, the viewership is going to be bad, but you drew some... uh and the, granted, Game Seven was horrible. It was a it was a dog, but you drew some casual viewers, especially after that epic Game Six with Derek White coming in and you know, putting in the the basket at the last, literally at the last millisecond. So I have a feeling ABC is going to do okay. Last year's um, NBA viewership average viewership was twelve point four million with the Celtics and Warriors. While the NBA and ESPN and ABC would have loved to have the Celtics and Lakers, I think that they're going to be okay. They're going to probably draw $11.6 million as an average viewership. So I mm. think that's going to be fine. Now, the Stanley Cup final is going to be on TNT this year as opposed to being on ABC last year. ABC drew some decent viewership. I'm going to say it's going to be lower, but don't be so – don't. I don't want to hear doom and gloom because the uh, cable viewership is much lower than what ABC was has last year. I will say that um, TNT will average about 52 five, six million viewers for uh, Vegas and Miami. You think, uh, I, you really
1: think it's that high? I could see I, a scary scenario where it's like 4 million or less I, just because it's I, not I huge think, names and people are trying to find it on Turner. You're being very optimistic, I think, Ken.
3: I think the longer it goes, and I think it's going to be a long series, um, I think the longer it goes, it'll, uh, it'll be around 5, 6 million. So I, I'll say 5.6 million.
1: Again, Ken, Ken's insight uh, from awful announcing, and uh, love uh, love following him at Fangs Bites on uh, on Twitter for all of his different takes on sports media and his predictions. Again, I think it's a little high for the Vegas uh, Florida Panthers prediction. I could see a ratings disaster with it being on TNT. They will start broadcasting on Saturday, NBA Finals Thursday and Sunday. Again, uh, it's obvious you want competitive games. You want a competitive series um let's see if it will be in either one or or if both of these will potentially be uh, competitive or not we will see we will find out in any event it has been a busy edition of the show again thank you for following make sure you subscribe follow here to the last word on sports apple podcast google podcast spotify wherever you get podcast keep engaged at lastwordonsportscom slash podcast as well I am merely T.J. Reeves. We head into the month of June with the finals underway for the NBA and uh, the NHL. The dog days of summer are coming, too. Football will be here, but not anytime soon. Not till we get to August with preseason and then eventually college games on Labor Day weekend. That's going to be a little while. We're going to have to have some MLB. Some uh, championship golf, some championship tennis, some things like that, uh, some championship boxing to to sustain us for the summer. The auto racing, whatever it is, um, in addition to the NBA finals and the Stanley Cup finals concluding, which they will here in a couple of weeks. Uh, For now, though, I think we're good. We'll cover it. We'll do our best to cover it here on this feed, on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast feed. For my guest, Nate Lundy out of Denver, for Ken Fang and Jonathan Grella also with me talking succession and the finale there of that HBO show. I'm merely TJ Reeves. We'll talk to you again soon on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast.